nonsense we spoke about on last week's podcast and throw them away. Saturday saw Sale take a massive step back in their push for the top four, as dubious game management saw them throw away a potential victory at the wreck, ultimately losing the game at Bath by 16 points to 14. Indeed, not only did Sale lose a game that was well within their grasp on Saturday, they also missed out on the chance to go third in the table and now find themselves seventh. My name is Lewis, welcome back to Shark Tank for one more time this year, and I'm delighted to say I'm joined by my good friends and co-hosts Alex and James. Alex, how are you? Um, uninspired, but good, mate. Um, yeah, it was not the most pleasing of results on on Saturday or whenever it was. I've sort of tried to blank it out of my mind as much as possible, but we've got to talk about it. So here we are. How are you? Uh, very well. Um, had a nice break off that was marred only by um, a slightly dross game that we saw on on Saturday afternoon. Uh, James, how are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I mean, obviously, Christmas has been Christmas has been absolutely ruined. Um, by the result of the wreck, um, absolutely ruined my Christmas. Um, which is a real shame. Was in Spain, had roast turkey, sprouts, the whole trimmings, uh, lots of nice presents, um, and then sell go and ruin my Christmas. So yeah, thanks for asking though. Right. Well, let's. Uh, unfortunately, you know, for long-time listeners, they, they know that we have two types of episodes: very positive episodes and very negative episodes. It does seem like this one is going to be uh, a little bit negative. Um, and there's the sort of obvious reasons why we didn't actually do three word reviews this week because we assumed that we were just going to get the same things: poor game management, uh, lack of control, you know, ex- you know, kick the points, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And obviously, the game hinges on on a lot of small moments that we'll we'll, we'll discuss a little bit later on. Um, but Alex, I'll, I'll start with this: you know, coming into the game, sail bath, sort of sail in the, in the mix with top four bath, sort of sitting pretty in mid table. It's a, you know a bit of a toss for the moment. We've seen how competitive the, the the Premiership is again this season. But how how important do you feel that this this loss is in in the course of sales season and that push for for top four that we've been speaking about for for weeks now? Yeah, I think it just was one of those games that if you want to be in the top four at the end of the season, you have to win. Um, obviously, you have to annoy your home game, so we're not we're probably not going to be in the top four anyway. But Bath away, they're not in you know a great place as a club in in this season, um, and the the game was there to be won. You know, we started quite averagely, and then we got ourselves back into it with five really good minutes of play. Um, and let it, let it slip again, and it's it's sort of not only is it a pretty damaging result, but it's also sort of pretty damaging from the point of view of we can't manage close games away from home, um, and realistically we didn't play well enough over the game anyway. You know, I, I think there are times when you're thinking, yeah, it's three, it's a two point loss. You know, another another penalty or a penalty not going over for them changes it, um, but. It's one of those where we just don't seem to be able to get going at all this season. I was looking at our Premiership record, and it is quite literally loss, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, win, mm. loss. Um, it's just it's crazy how the lack of consistency in that competition. Um, so yeah, I think it's just it's just really frustrating because I think I sent it to you on on Saturday. It, it's one step forward, one step back. And as you probably rightly said, it's one step forward, two steps back. Cause it's just really frustrating. You know, at the end of the day, a loss away at Bath. Um, pe- people will say, oh, well, it's away from home. Bath are a decent side. You know, it's over Christmas. Tough, tough place to go. But you, if you want to be top four, you've got to, you've got to do better than that. 
and um, it is quite it's quite frustrating because it just feels like we're going to get mired in that mid table again. And it's sort of you know, at what point does that change? Um, so, just a a disappointing day, disappointing result, and probably a dis- setting up a disappointing season, sadly. Yeah, James, I, w- I wanted to ask you, and I think those are really good good points, Alex. Um, James, on the face of it, it's a, it's a two-point loss away from home in between Christmas and New Year, all the things that, that Alex mentioned before. You know, it's another losing bonus point for Sale, though, and they've now actually picked, they've lost four games this year, played seven, won three, lost four. They've, every single game they've lost, they've picked up a losing bonus point, and that obviously equates to another win. But on the face of it, Sale go down to the bath between Christmas and New Year, they lose by two points, they pick up a losing bonus point. Do you think this is, even with the context of what actually was happening in the game aside, do you think this is a good result for Sale, or do you agree with Alex that if we're going to be a top four team or even a top six team at this rate, this is a game that Sale should have won? Well, I think it's with the context of all the other games that we've got losing bonus points in. You know, it's it's good news that we're we're in the game every single game, but it's just not dropping for us. Now, if we want to be top six, never mind top four, and there's a lot of talk about top four, we might only be a point away or whatever from top four. But, you know, I I think we sort of set our stalls out really at the beginning of the season. We'll be happy with, you know, qualifying, we said, reasonably comfortably for the uh, for the Champions Cup again next year. And that would be progress. Um, but I think that even to get into the top six, you know, out of those uh, four losing bonus points, you'd expect one, you know, law of averages, at least mm. one to drop our way. You know, what what's worrying is that we are coming out second best in these tight contests now. And it's becoming a recurring theme. You know, like we you can take some solace in the fact that we've been in, in every single game so far. And if something had dropped our way or a better uh, refereeing decision or Rob Dupree didn't hit the post, you know, then we'd be probably sitting in second or whatever. Um, but the thing is that we've now been on the on the on the sort of the, the wrong side of that equation, you know, quite a lot this season. And and therefore something's trying to see you know, are we why are we struggling to close out these close games? Is it belief? Is it composure? Is it is it game management like you suggested, Lewis? So I think that, that for me is now the biggest concern. In it just looking at the bath game in isolation though, and this is why we keep you know, this is why it's becoming quite frustrating to do this podcast. Because in isolation, you know, we've come down come back from a thirteen nil deficit where at half time, you know, it was just an awful game and we'd play dreadfully. Mm-hmm. Um, and to come back from 13-0 down to be leading 14-13 shows actually quite a lot of guts. And actually, the lads in the first sort of half of the, well, for most of the second half, actually, you know, the commitment and the physical commitment, you know, we went from being struggling on the game line and physically to actually being the dominant um, uh, uh, team in the game and, and, and pretty much every contact we won. But we still conspired to, to lose the game. So, you know, in, in isolation in the game, you know, we can see some guts. We can see the effort, yeah? But as an overall trend, there are some real worries that we're in too many of our games of dogfights. And I know it's a close season. And I know we're not the only team who are on the same number of points and are inconsistent and winning one and losing one. And that could be... Is it just the nature of the Premiership? Well, yes and no. But we've invested lots in our squad. Northampton don't seem to be uh, having this issue. Neither the Gloucester, and you know they, they they haven't invested as much as we have in the off season this time around, and yet we're still every single game seems to be a, a bit of a dogfight, and and when the, they are really close, we come out the wrong side, you know. So I hope I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, lads, but 
and and the listeners, you know, you must you must uh, send send us your thoughts. But is what I've just said the real crux of our frustration, really? In that you go to these games and we're in a dogfight every single time. You almost there's things to respect from the sale performance every single time, and they are close games. But we're just on the wrong side every single time, and it's win one, lose one. It's becoming really frustrating to talk about. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, and Alex, I'll, I'll pick up on this first and see if you want to jump in. I think the, the, the especially worrying thing for me, there's, there's, there's two elements to it. The first is that actually our strength of schedule for the first seven games of the season has actually been pretty weak. You know, you look at the, the games that we've had at home, we've beaten Wasps, um, you know, we've beaten Northampton, we've produced a really good performance away at Irish. You know, those are games that in theory we want to be winning given the investment that's been put into the squad, like, like James said. But then you look at our away games and actually we've, we've kind of had the perfect sort of run. You know, you've had Bristol. Okay, they look like a top six team this year, but, you know, a lot of investment, you know, they're figuring things out. And obviously it was a pretty close game. And then you think, you know, Worcester away, that's a game that if we're a top four, or even a top six team, we should be targeting. Same with Bath away, another game that we should have won. Uh, and then obviously you had the London Irish game, which which we did win. And I think the worrying thing is, is that law of averages suggests that eventually Sale will win one of these dogfights away from home. Because it has to. Because so far we've, you know, you've you've played Bristol, Bath, um, and Worcester away, and we've been in that scrap and we've not won any of them. Eventually, your luck will change and you will 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 win one. But the problem is we're losing these now when the strength of our schedule is quite weak. And actually, as the calendar turns to next year, our away games start coming up against you know Exeter away, Saracens away, Gloucester away, Northampton away, and. It's all well and good our luck changing a little bit so we'd be able to win the games against the teams around us in the table. But your luck's not going to change enough so you're able to win away games at, at the very best teams in, in the league. And the other worrying aspect of, of the start, and why it's doubly frustrating, is it's it's all well and good saying, well, you know, we're one point off Gloucester, who are in third, and, you know, we're, we're tied with all these teams. But at the end of the day, Sale are seventh. And if they want to be in the top four, they have to leap from Worcester and Bath at the moment. And they've got Quinns as well, who are on the same points with them. Obviously, Sale are ahead on points difference. And sometimes the points actually don't actually matter that much. It's the fact that you've got to leapfrog two or three teams every single week to get back into that top four. And it's a very small league and it's a very competitive league. And we can't depend on the two or three teams in front of us every single week dropping points. Because if they do, when we leapfrog them into you know, fourth or fifth for, for one week, that means actually the teams that they've lost to are also gaining points as well. And it just it, it tightens your uh, margin of error so significantly that we cannot afford to lose games away at Bath at this point of the season because we need those extra three points when we have a, you know, a tougher schedule and we're, we're you know, trying to leapfrog three or four teams into the top four. And I think we've had a relatively, I'm not saying it's an easy start, We've had a relatively soft start to the season, and the fact that we're at you know a quarter of the uh, sorry a third of the way through the season, we're seventh, you know should be eighth given Saracens' point deduction, and we're now looking up at the teams above us rather than firmly entrenched in the top three or four. I think that's the real frustrating thing because everything about what's been happening in the club on field, off field, the investment, the schedule, even our performances to an extent, we should be a lot higher in the table, you know, regardless of how many points we've accumulated. Alex. Yeah, I think it's just so. Fr- I agree. The, the frustration is that we've got the players. You know, there there is there is nothing left in in the barrel of excuses of sale fans to to sort of offset the fact that we are seventh. And you know, um, 
last year we were eighth, and yeah, it's just it. We're we're not going anywhere, and it doesn't feel like we're going anywhere, and it doesn't feel like we're going there at a very fast pace. And on the other hand, I suppose you can say we're we're starting to improve, but you know, we we were in the Champions, we've been in the Champions Cup before when we were finishing sixth, and at the moment we just we've played not very strong teams. And we've had a relatively, you know, I remember saying we should win every game in 2019 in the Premier in the Premiership. Um, we said that at the start of the season, didn't we? You know, we 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 had a very easy fixture list so far. Um, the only team probably we've got left to play who you would say is is a, but even Leicester who were bottom of the table in effect, uh, are not that easy a, a team to come up against. Um, so I just think it's so demoralising. Um, and we've got really good players who, for some reason, aren't gelling as a team. Um, and I think that's the issue. You know, we can't say, "Oh, we haven't got the budget," because we have. We can't say, "Oh, we're not spending up to the cap," because we are. We can't say we're waiting for our big players to come back because all our big players are available. We're putting out a really strong team every week, and we're just not finding those marginal gains to get us. You know, I always say this with Sale. We're five, we're five percent away from being a brilliant team, and we've been five percent away from being a brilliant team for ten years. Um, you know, if we could do certain things differently uh, in the heat of the moment, and if we could see out games, you know, this season especially, you've seen that there were individual moments, not making the kick, giving away the penalty. Um, so that's frustrating. But then the other frustrating thing is the amount of mistakes we made on on Saturday, and and the sort of the the manner of it, you know, every time we go into attack, we seem to drop the ball. I was watching it, I was sort of following it on Twitter, and it was like, sail attacking, sail turned over, sail attacking, sail turned over, one each one minute after the other. Um, and it's just, you know, it has not fired this season, but I think the worry is that, as you rightly say, Lewis, even if we get to the position where we're good enough to be winning the games we've already played, we've got a much, much harder fixture list in the second half of the season. Um, so, yeah, it, it, I, I don't really see... I think it's going to be... It just it just sort of sets me up for a season of, of not a lot going our way. Um, and at this point, it's looking like a battle to get back into the Champions Cup, which is the last thing we wanted. We wanted a comfortable Champions Cup qualification and push for top four. Um, and I just think, at what point? When does it turn? When does when does is this all going to start working? Because we are there's there's nothing else that sort of I can see that we can change. We haven't got any other levers to pull. We're just we're in the place we're in, other than going down the route of you know we, we can't get better players in. We've got the best available players. So it, mm. and you know unless we change the coaches. There's nothing else we can do. But then you get to that point of being almost football-esque of, oh, we'll just sack people until we start winning. Um, and I don't want to do that. So it's just very... I don't know, what what's the solution? Um, someone must have one, but I, I can't see it at the moment. Well, let's actually... Let's shift focus to, to the game at hand because there's a couple of points you made there, Alex, that I think are, are, you know will lead into the discussion really well. You mentioned um, sort of sail turning the ball over, and actually, this is something that that was particularly alarming to me watching the game on on Saturday. Was that I counted at least four instances of sail losing the ball or first phase ball, and that is indefensible in, in in a lot of ways. You know, this is a team that has you know stated itself that they are a first phase 
possession team. They like to try and score off set moves as soon as they get the ball. And, and the fact that we were getting either uh, turned over or dropping the ball or making, you know, basic mistakes as soon as in our very first phase of possession in, the, in a game where there was really no margin between the teams is, is absolutely inexcusable. And, and it points, you know, against the fact that our attacking structure still isn't firing. You know, again, we, we scored, you know, we got beat on Saturday by a team that only scored 16 points. That should never really happen unless the conditions are absolutely dreadful, which which they weren't particularly at the rec. Um, and, you, you know, it's so important to, to actually do something with the ball once you have it. So, so to lose it at least four times on the very first tackle is is inexcusable. And, and you know, I noticed it happened, you know, on our very first phase of possession in the entire game where we ran the ball off the back of a scrum, got it to Solomona. Uh, he gets round and uh, he gets round uh, Jonathan Joseph, but then we don't, we, there's no one there to support him at the rook. And, and uh, I think it's Francois Lowe or someone else is able to get over the ball and, and, and turn it over. And that sort of set the tone a lot for, for Saturday. But James, what I wanted to also mention was the fact that, you know, Alex has said, we've got, you know, a great squad. We've got, you know, really good players. We've probably got one of the best squads in the league. And one of the things I noticed and, and mentioned after the game on Saturday was that Saturday saw off days from from some key players. I think, you know, John O'Ross, um, Janzi uh, van Rensburg. I think Faf de Klerk didn't have a particularly good game either. And what I wanted to ask you is, how, how worried should we be that Sale's entire game plan seems to fall apart quite substantially when our sort of talism- talisman, talismatic players don't perform. Because I think what was really worrying was Van Rensburg couldn't keep the ball in contact and Baff did a great job of, of, of stopping that sort of one-out runner. I think De Klerk, tactically, his kicking was pretty poor on Saturday and wasn't able um, to give us a sort of territory um, and possession that we needed, especially in our own half. And I think John Ross, you know, he had a couple of instances where he got on the wrong side of the referee, and and that sort of that sort of added to 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 a lot of our a lot of our you know penalty woes in a game again where there's obviously very tight margins. So so how how first do you agree with me that we seem to fall apart when our key players aren't playing? And second, how how worrying is it that on Saturday because Van Rensburg and De Klerk etc. weren't firing, we weren't able to score more than fourteen points? Well, I don't think it's unusual to base your game around such key players, but I think it was the bit about body language, especially for the clerk. He got whacked early, didn't he? And had uh, a knee brace put on. And I think that Bath almost achieved something that every team has wanted to do, international or club, and haven't managed to do, <laughs> which is really get up to clerk and get to him and 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 whack him. And the uh, clerk didn't really. He, he wasn't the heartbeat of the side in the same way. He sort of had the stuffing knocked out of him. You say his, his, his tactical kicking wasn't wasn't brilliant. And, and I think that, you know, he sets the tempo for the team because that's what, you know, every team that has the clerk in it does because he's such a fabulous player. What, you know, what we should have done really is is, is notice that that was maybe not having the impact that we would like and, and maybe having a, a plan B with, with uh, Will Cliff coming off the bench and playing in a slightly different way. I know that that, you know, not many people would imagine, oh, well, Cliff could come on to, for the clerk and change the game. But actually, you know, it, that that is possible. It is possible if you think about playing to everybody's strengths and you have certain different ways of playing. I thought Rob Dupree had quite a good game. Uh, obviously, he nailed his, his two main kicks at goal. Um, you know, he didn't maybe, he's kicking out of hand and his managing of the, that's not really the way he plays. 
um, to be perfectly honest. But his pass, for example, for McGuigan's try was was good, and he he adds that in a way that McGinty can't. Van Rensburg, you know, look, it, the the conditions weren't awful, but I do think the ball was still a little bit slippery. I mean, said that his his retention of ball in in contact was poor, and I thought that Jamie Roberts sort of had a better game than him, really. Um, so what what's my answer to your question? My answer to my question is it's not surprising, you know, it's clear what our game plan is. You know, but you know what the Saracens and Exeter game plan is, but you still can't stop that. I think the point is that Clerk and Van Rensburg just didn't turn up and then we weren't prepared to change things very significantly. Um, maybe we weren't brave enough to, to do so. I think you make a really good point about Will Cliff as well, because obviously the Clerk goes down with you know for, for treatment on, on two minutes and he actually ends up playing the, the full 80. And my concern at the moment is that there is an over-reliance in, in our team and in our in our squad and, and, and coaching staff on De Klerk, you know, to produce something to get the to get the players moving. And you're right, James, that does make sense given um that he's a world class player and a lot of teams, you know, would, would love to be able to build the game around him. But I think the concern is that, you know, once De Klerk wasn't firing at hundred percent, we weren't able to, you know, really do any we, we weren't really sort of brave enough, like like you said, you know, to to change things dramatically because we've become so reliant on, on De Klerk. And I think there's there's a very interesting dynamic between him and Rob Dupria, who I don't think saw actually I think he played well, but I don't think he saw particularly much of the ball because De Klerk was doing all the kicking uh, from the base of the rock. He was he was the tactical kicker. Sam James was kicking for the corners. And I do wonder whether or not if we've got Rob Dupria into the game a little bit more whether or not there's there's potential for our for our game plan to change slightly, and we're able to be a little bit more effective, given that you know perhaps the clerk wasn't having his uh, having his strongest game. Um, Alex, do you think there are any positives to take out of Saturday's game? Yeah, of course there are. I think Dupree's kicking is a big one because um, I wasn't worried, but um, they were two difficult kicks um, either side of the pitch, wasn't it? I think I'm right in saying um, so. Yeah. Because I think you know the, the last week and the so far this season, those kicks are ones that he's just never looked like making, um, and he seems to strike them pretty confidently. So I think you know that's that's definitely a positive. Um, the fact that we've got some attacking play going. I mean, our rolling ball this season has been brilliant, so that's quite encouraging. Um, especially seeing Leicester then score a rolling ball try against Quinns, um, who we've obviously got up next. So, you know, and Aka continues to be a try machine. Um, line-out, I think, is still... I, I think there's a positive in the line-out that, you know, Aka's not a great thrower, but he is getting better. So I think you have to take the positives of, you know, once he can throw in... He's probably going to be one of the most destructive hookers in the league, and we're going to have a working set piece. Um, and I do have faith that you know that can be coached. It's not something that necessarily, you know, if you're a bad line out thrower now, you'll be a bad line out thrower forever. So I know that's not really a positive, but um, <laughs> you know the, the fact that we're scoring two tries in quick succession against Bath, putting some moves together, looking relatively fluid. It's a good ball out to McGuigan um, to sort of. Be, it's quite clinical, I think, that second try especially. Um, you know, it's the, it's the sort of thing that for the last few weeks we've been butchering. Um, so, you know, there are some positives. Again, it's a decent bath team at Christmas, um, which is just a really hard time of year to go away somewhere. Um, and we've got a bonus point out of it. It's not the end of the world. It's just, I think it's really frustrating. And what frustrates me is, 
is the it kind of gives us a get out of jail free card in saying, oh yeah, but it's a, it's away from home, and if we win our home games, then that's all we want to do. And I just think there needs to be a mentality change that we want to win every game because I, I still don't quite see it. And I think, you know, we are it, five years ago. This would have been a decent result for us, but we're in a very different place now as a club. And I think we've just got to sort of set our standards a bit higher. But in it, as I say, we're five percent off, and in, maybe you have the faith that now with the players we have and the squad we have. Um, we can we can get to a place where we're winning games. Um, we're we're scoring tries, we're keeping games close. That's got to be the positive. Um, and if we start to fix the the sort of lack of decisiveness in attack, and and if we can put some phases together and actually make meters off those phases, then we become a really good club. You know, our defense again, Bath haven't didn't really trouble our try line apart from when Faf was taken out. Um, round his neck, inexplicably not looked at, and then they score a try off it, um, which is probably a point for debate, and I'm sure Bath fans and probably some Sale fans will disagree with me, but that's what it looked like to me. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're, we're nearly there, and our defence is absolutely solid, so I think they're the positives, um, and Rob Debris is kicking. And you, as I say, you can try and be optimistic and say, oh, we're nearly there. I just think we've got really tough fixtures coming up. So there's got to be a very, very quick fix. And I don't see it happening. But yeah, that's, that's some positives. Have you, either of you two got any others to add? I've got a couple that, that I wanted to mention before we sort of get on to the, you know, the big talking point. And obviously, I'll let James um, stress his as well. Um, just to pick up what you said, Alex, uh, our defence is fantastic. Um, you know, conceding only 16 points. You shouldn't get getting beat when you're exceeding that but once again it was it was really really strong and actually what I noticed on Saturday was that we did a very very good job of neutralizing Bath's attack and their bat line which obviously has a, quite a variety of players in it and what we were doing is that when Bath were um, indicating that they were going to run crash ball crash ball runners you know Jamie yeah Jamie Roberts for example uh, off the back of a scrum or a set piece we were actually identifying that really well. And what we were doing is we were we were blitzing our defensive line to, to meet a very aggressive bath um bath um running running line. So what we were basically doing is it was two walls of players coming together and we were doing a really good job of identifying that what when Bath were gonna run certain plays and basically stop them in the tracks. We were getting Van Rensburg with someone like Rob Dupria there as a secondary tackler to stop Roberts when Bath sort of went to that as a, as a strategy. So we did really well with that. What we also did really well is there was a lot of times where Bath indicated that they weren't going to run crash ball runners. They were going to play it out the back. And we did a really good job of identifying that again and actually sitting off the defence. So rather than blitzing up to the line again and letting Bath switch the ball a few times and find gaps out wide, we were actually a lot more conservative with how we were attacking the game line. And we were sitting off, letting Bath go through the hands in front of us and then engaging with the tackle uh, and, and the ball carrier. And I think that was that was one of the reasons why, you know, it was it was only a sort of a, you know, a, a well-intentioned but lucky try from, from Bath. Um, that was that was able to break down our defence because I thought otherwise we were we were basically perfect. So that was really good to see. And I mentioned him last week. Thought Byron McGuigan had a fantastic game again, um, especially in defence. His his ability to read those cues coming from an opposition, whether or not they're going to run it to the line, whether or not they're going to switch out the back, and when they're going to go wide, is one of the reasons why our defence is so good at the moment. And I genuinely think you know 
I think attacking, you know, going forward, I think Solomona and, and Ashton have a little bit something extra on it, probably Yard as well. But I think, you know, pound for pound, McGuigan's been our most consistent performer and our best performer um, out of our wingers this year, just because of how good he is defensively and how good he is at reading uh, what set play the uh, the opposition are going to do. So I thought defence is absolutely fantastic. You know, penalties and, and others need a bit of work. But defensively, we, we, we stood really well to bat. I thought McGuigan was fantastic. And then just on, on McGuigan's try, which was obviously richly deserved, really good phase play from Sale. You know, we, we had a... We had sort of five or six phases. You know, we ran it quick off um, off of nine and off of ten. We had Ross and uh, a few other players from the forwards hitting the line with speed. We had a couple of um, you know carries from the grunts up front, and then we did a really good job of getting it out wide as soon as we'd been able to narrow the back defence uh, and you know um, take advantage of an overlap. And obviously, you know, great pass from from Rob Depew and great identification from De Klerk that you know we our forwards had. Uh, had sucked in the bath defence and, and led to that opportunity out wide. So, a couple of positives, um, the defence especially, um, but it obviously, you know, it, it, everything sort of hinged on on some key decisions in the second in the second half, which we'll, we'll come on to after James has given his positives. Well, nothing massively new, just to say that, you know, to come back from 13-0 down really just show a desire um, to try and right the wrongs of the first half, and I thought that that was good. The fact that we've been in the game every single, you know, get one that we've lost... You said law of averages. Okay, we're going to have to do it the hard way because, you know, we've now got away games against Exeter, Saracens and Gloucester where you wouldn't expect us to get anything. But actually, if we overperform in the way that we've underperformed at the beginning half of the year, the, the season is still not beyond our grasp. You know, a win against Quinns will likely see us back up into fourth or something like that. Um, it's just because we know what, what should have been or what could have been that's so frustrating. But it's not all lost. There's still plenty to play for. We've still got the players there. We've still got the talent. I agree with you that McGuigan has been our best winger so far this season and should be nailed on to play at 11 now, um, now that he's fit um, until uh, he loses any form or until, until somebody else does something uh, a little bit um, differently. I also thought that... Uh, you know, as you said, the defence was, was, was excellent. Uh, clearly, Akavan de Merva's control at the back of the rolling walls is absolutely superb uh, and something that we've lacked maybe for uh, since David Seymour maybe uh, retired. You know, that real control at the back of a mall, I thought that was that was excellent. It's a bit Dan Braid-esque, actually, I think, um, which, is, mm. which is good. The line-out still is pretty poor. And to go back to one of Alex's points around... Um, the fact that you know we can't, we've got nothing to hold on to. You know, we've got all of our best players. We are missing Beaumont and Diago, who would clearly make a would make a difference. But all I would say on the line outside of things is that Bryn Evans is well known to be one of the best operators in the line out. You know, over the last decade in the Premiership, um, and okay, he's getting older, um, and therefore his impact around the park is probably more minimal. But in the line out. He's still an excellent forward. So I'd say that there's something else going on with the line out. Maybe we have too many options, which is confusing. Or maybe that our, our lifters aren't quite going right. We've got a lot of new lifters as well with new calls. Um, you know, the likes of Cooper Woolley, the likes of um, Ustazen. Does that have an, have an impact? Um, I don't know. Um, and then, of course, the other big changeable is Zaka van der Merwe, and clearly is throwing in is wayward. Um, and he is improving, as Alex says, but not quickly enough. But I think he will get there. And as Alex said, when we do, and we can get that line out sorted, then we, you know, we're going to be a good team. We're going to be a good team. That's That's got to be the name of this podcast. We're going to be a good team, I hope. 
I'll, I'll make sure it is. So, well, James, you made, you made an interesting point there that, that suggests that, you know, once our line out and, and our, our key locks are, are back, you know, we, we should be a good team. But I think one of the things that we'll definitely have to improve is, is our game management. And let, let's talk about the decision because I said it straight after the game um, on, on Twitter. Um, there's a reason why Sale lost this game or, uh, or at least there's a reason that helped lead to why Sale lost this game. And that's actually a decision taken by by John Ross and, and the rest of the, the sort of on-field leadership at, at a point where Sale were actually 14 points to 13 up. They just scored the second try. They're in the ascendancy uh, and they won a penalty. Um, we were looking at about 65 minutes in here. So Sale win a penalty. It's definitely kickable. It's not dead centre, but it's, it's relative, you know, Rob Dupree had, uh, had hit a conversion from a similar point earlier on. And at this point, you know, I was I was watching the game, you know, screaming at my TV saying, you know, take the points. You know, we, we've got all the momentum. We're only a point ahead. If we kick our, if we kick the three, we're up 17 points to 13 and Bath have got to come out and score a try. And given how both teams have played, it wasn't actually looking like Bath were going to score. And then we made this very curious decision to kick for the corner. And it sort of sets up this 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 comedy of errors that ultimately led to to the winning points being conceded because we kicked to the corner at a time when we've really struggled to to get consistent ball off our set piece. You know, Van der Merwe uh, make, gets the throw in, and I think it's Elliot Stoop, but I might be mistaken. Does a great job of of um, getting up in the air and, and obviously winning the ball back. So Bath then clear the ball back out only out to their twenty two, and we get another chance at it. And we throw this really sort of cute like quick short ball to Jean-Luc Dupree for him to knock back to Van der Merwe and, and it just doesn't quite come off and we knock on. We then have a scrum and then Ross Harrison gets pinged at the scrum for, um, I'm not, I can't remember what the infraction was, but we can see the penalty. And then Bath kicked down to um, just just um, just inside sales half. We run a few uh, phases of play and then Jean-Luc Dupree gets pinged a little bit unfairly, but but you know probably on the face of it, uh, it was deserved. For, for a no-arms tackle um, on one of the Bath players. And we've, we've literally gone from having a five-metre attacking line out to conceding a penalty in front of the posts that Reese Priestland duly kicks and they're 16 points to 14 up. And we've only got eight minutes now left to ch- chase the game. And I know a lot of people uh, who I've been speaking to after the game have, have, have sort of pinpointed that as, as one of the moments that that could have cost Sale the game. And it is important to stress, you know, we don't know that Rob Dupree makes that kick. We, we don't know if he, if he does make the kick, whether or not Bath go down the other end and score anyway. It doesn't, it didn't mean that Sale lost in the same way it did when we, we missed that penalty at the end against Gloucester on the opening round of the season. But when you're 14-13-0, when you've played probably 10 minutes of good rugby all game and you're in a position to sneak a win over a mid-table rival away from home, it is the clearest decision in the world to kick the points, extend your lead, kill a bit of time off the clock and really put the onus on the opposition to have to come out and score a try. And the fact that we didn't, and the fact that we kicked for the corner and at a time when our line-out wasn't functioning and, and then obviously proceeded to not only lose two line-outs but then a scrum penalty and then give away a penalty that, that leads to the winning points being scored was, was very frustrating to watch and obviously very frustrating for Sale fans. And I, in my opinion... It was a key reason, not the only reason, but it was a key reason why we lost. And it is disconcerting that we weren't at that point doing anything to improve our, our win probability. Um, 
James, obviously, I've sort of come out and and it's very clear where I stand on this. But do, you know, do you think that this this moment is a is a microcosm of, of of sales inability to really close out a lot of these close games, and and does it speak to a lack of sort of on field now and, and and strategy in terms of how we're approaching these games? I just think there was maybe I think if there's one criticism of Jono is I mean you could hear him on the refs mic and stuff quite quite a lot. And he's he's you know he's at the Bath players quite quite a lot as well, and he probably needs to think about you know his persona on the pitch because he's very aggressive in which is a good thing, but then in other ways he's sort of quite close to the bar, and I don't know if this is common in, in rugby, but I'm not sure if he's on the right side of the referee. So that's that's one thing which might be affecting our, our game management is is our, our, our captain's relationship with the with the referee. But linked to it is he gets a bit of red miss sometimes. And I think because we've just scored two tries that have come from sort of kicking to the corner and two rolling walls that, well, the second one obviously set up McGuigan's try and then in the corner, um, is that we kind of just sort of lost our bearings. You know, we had kind of five good minutes uh, of play yeah. uh, after playing absolutely terribly for the rest of the game before that. And we should have thought, well, hang on a minute, we could nick one here, yeah? So let's just take the points. And maybe we just thought we were invincible with the rolling mall and we completely forgotten our line-out has been dysfunctional and actually we've been really inaccurate the whole game. We've been making mistakes, we've been losing ball and contact, we've been giving away some penalties. And, uh, you know, that's really the job of the captain to lift himself beyond the fray, beyond the red mist, to make real clarity-based decisions. And when you compare it to the home game against Wasps, you know, we were brilliant then in terms of closing that game out. McGinty came on, kicked two penalty goals, and then there was a turnover that basically won us the game. And we took the points when they were on offer there. So why, away from home in the cauldron, when the red mist was there, did we suddenly think, let's not try and take the three points? Because worst case scenario, is it's probably a 22 dropout, and we received possession you know, deep inside, you know, probably just inside the uh, uh, the bath half, and then we can run again. We've still got a good field position, and it kills a bit of time as well. In a game where really Bath didn't really look like scoring, even their try came from, you know, an, a, a sale error further up the park that put us under under pressure. So no, really poor decision. Should have gone for the three points, and and that just did worry me a little bit. Um, you know, we're not extra chiefs. Um, who, who you know kicked to the corner because they're, they're, they're really the extra Chiefs against most teams. They're probably thinking, well, you know what, we're not fighting for the win or the loss. We're fighting for a four-point win or a five-point win. But it's different for us. We'll just take an away win. Alex, what, what did you make of, of, of that sort of sequence of play in, in the second half on Saturday? Yeah, I think it's just early in the season we didn't have that faith in our goal kicking. I don't know whether it's a hangover from that, that we're not quite confident enough that we're going to land the three points because we seem to, especially against Northampton, we've just completely sacked the idea of kicking three points. Um, and, you know, we're going to bang it into the corner and and try and maul it. And to be fair, when we get the line-out ball down, we do have a very good maul, but we can't get the line-out ball down very easily. I do think you're right. I think it's just a sort of, you know, it, it's a very high-risk approach, and the rewards 
aren't currently showing themselves to be that frequent and therefore it doesn't make sense to me and I think it's that clarity and that sort of as you say the thing is Exeter wouldn't be in that position because Exeter would get up to five meters out from the line and score a try um and what we don't have is that ability to make meters in the middle of the field and get ourselves to within five meters of the line consistently um so I, I sort of I understand the rationale I think it you know, in hindsight, it's a bad decision. At the time, it wasn't a great decision. But, you know, it, the, the thing is, if we get that ball over the way Rob Dupree is kicking, it's probably seven points. And that's the game, you know, virtually put to bed. It denies Bath a losing bonus point, probably. It gives us a pretty comfortable sort of margin of, of victory. But then, you know, in the state of that game, I think I think this is the key point, that Bath hadn't looked like scoring a try. So we didn't need to be five points or seven points away from them. We need to just be three points away from them. And therefore, you know, in, in that moment, you, you do sort of wonder, well, we should have tried for the three points because as you say, worst case scenario, it goes out for 22 and we get the ball back, um, not much further back from where we were by the time it's gone to a rook. Um, so, yeah, I think, um, I think a frustrating decision I understand the reasoning for it. And if that is a sort of accept, if all the teams bought into that and that's how we're going to play, um, that's fine. But I just don't think we've got the quality to be making those brave calls. And as James says, we're not Exeter. Um, we we have to recognise where we are and sort of, I suppose we have to assess what we want out of this season. Do we want to develop our own sort of style of play, this where we, you know, we'll kick to the corner quite a lot, we'll get our rolling more going, um, we'll we'll have faith in that. Or do we want to have a successful season? And if the answer is the latter, then it's the wrong call. If the answer is the former and we're we're doing a slow build for, you know, two seasons time when when all the teams gelled and our amazing rolling ball takes us to the premiership title, then fine. But I just don't see that that is the plan. Um I think it was just, uh, you can't say what decision we would have made, but I think, yeah, in hindsight, it's a dreadful decision at the time, not a great decision. Um, and, you know, it's so typical of us, isn't it, that that a miss, it's it's not just the kick into the corner. Take, not taking the three points is one element of it, but it's then the mistakes in the, you know, the minute afterwards that cost us giving away penalties and our discipline hasn't been great this season and we've just sort of struggled to get on the right side of the ref as you always say but also making mistakes dropping the ball not you know that is the the crucial thing for me and that's the frustrating thing I can I can take losing games where we've been beaten by a better side but we weren't beaten by a better side and we sort of beat ourselves in on this occasion and that's sort of embodied in those mistakes that we made in that passage which is probably reflective of that game and generally the season so far that, that definitely feels like the crux of the matter. And, and obviously, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Um, But I think given the state of the league this year, how we've played, and obviously the game on Saturday, in that deci- in, in those moments, you kind of want to be making the decisions that are going to increase your win probability, um, you know, or, or give you the best chance of winning. And, and I don't necessarily think we, we did that on Saturday. Um, but, you know, John O'Ross, Van Rensburg, you know, the entire sale team obviously have the opportunity to make amends from, from Saturday um, ahead of the visit of Harlequins this week. It's a 7.45 kickoff. It's the first game of 2020. It's, you know, Friday Night Lights and it's on BT 
sport as well. And it's obviously given what happened over the weekend. It's Sale in seventh versus Quinns in eighth, tied on on 17 points. It, this again feels like yet another huge game, one that's probably got a little bit more pressure on it now, given what had uh, what had happened down at the wreck on on Saturday, but it does promise to be, you know, uh, a very exciting way to start 2020 uh, for one reason or another. And to give you a little bit more context about the game and what we can expect from Harlequins when they visit the AJ Bell on Friday night is, uh, I'm going to pass over to James. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. As you said, Lewis, the context of the the league at the moment is that it's very tight and a win for us could see us back in the, in the top four. But, but a loss, I think, really would cut us a bit of a drift and make the top six and top four really quite difficult for us with away games. Back, I think we've got back-to-back away games coming up um, at Saracens and at Exeter, which by the end, by the time we've finished those rounds of games, you know, we, we could be in a very distant position. So, you know, there's a lot of pressure on the squad to, to, to win here. Quinns, they are one place below us in eighth. As you said, we are tied on points. They've played 7-1-3. They have drawn one this weekend against Leicester in a cracker of a game. So the, the reason why we're tied on points is just because we've been picking up this lo- these losing bonus points. We also scored a similar number of tries as well, which is quite surprising because usually you'd imagine Quinns to be quite an attacking team with the likes of Danny Kerr and Marcus Smith um, at halfback. You know, they've always had quite a bit of attacking flair, certainly more than Sale have had. But actually, under Gustard, he's now into his second season, um, they are becoming a more gritty team, more difficult to beat. Actually, just a little bit more like Sale. So a bit like my preview last week, actually, the two teams have quite a lot of similarities one thing I would say is that they've had only one uh, away uh, win all season. That was at that was at Wasps. Um, so you know, their away form hasn't been brilliant um, either. Same same as we have had um, some upsides for us. Sinclair went off injured at the weekend. We're, we're not sure if he's going to be fit. It looks unlikely with the way he went off the park. Um, but. Will Collier will come in at at, uh, at tighthead, and actually he's the strongest scrummager, and I and expect you know the likes of Marler and Collier and Aaliyah to give our front row a real test, not just at scrum time. What I'm actually quite interested in is the test that they'll give us around the park, because all of them in their own individual ways, Marler a, a lot more sort of uh, carrying in around the fringes, and, and Aaliyah and and, uh, and and Collier, you know, uh, certainly if Sinclair's playing, you know, in the loose, I think that's going to be quite interesting to to, to look at. And their newfound grittiness, I think, is epitomised by their back row: uh, Rob Shaw, Chisholm, and 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 uh, Lordy. I think is it Lordy, his name is, um, at number eight. He was a great signing, actually, over the summer. He was at Exeter, so he's bringing over that kind of discipline that he's learned at the Chiefs and brought that over to Quinns. And interestingly, Don Brandt, uh, who's another person to throw into the mix um, as a back row, was used as an impact off the bench last weekend. Another new signing for them over the summer, um, Stephen Lewis, um, who is a Lions player, so likely that a couple of our guys, Van Rensburg and De Klerk, are going to know him quite well. I think he's the kind of lock that we'd love, certainly at the moment. He's got a lot of grit, but he's also fantastic in, in the line-out. So, you know, I think he's going to be putting our line-out and do a lot of pressure. He's probably going to be giving a lot of chat uh, to the likes of Akka van der Merwe and all the rest of it around the park quite a bit. So they're going to attempt, they're going to see what Bath did 
with the clerk. And I think that they're going to be trying to get under our skin. Um, Marcus Smith, I think he's going to be quite interesting um, because he does, he can play deep and he can play flat. But what he can, what he does do is he carries the ball in both hands and he can step off both feet and is rapid over a short period. And I do think that's going to test Robert Dupree's defence, who has defended reasonably well um, this, this season. But where he does struggle is he's quite actually quite a big man. You know, he could be playing as a back row, Rob Dupree. And I think that, you know, the low centre of gravity that Marcus Smith has, I wonder how much he will actually test Dupree's defence on the gain line. The likes of Ben Curry, Tom Curry, John O'Ross are going to be having watching him like a hawk, but also stopping the offload. Because for a small man, Marcus Smith offloads incredibly well, both out the back of the hand and out of the front of the hand. Um, Paul Azike. Started at 12 for Quint at the weekend. If you think Van Rensburg is big listeners, Paul Azike makes Van Rensburg look like a child. He is so big. So I'm looking forward to that Titanic battle if he plays um, in the centre of the park. And also watch out for uh, Gabriel Ibatoyi. Um, he's a genius uh, with ball in hand. And whoever's playing right wing for us, presumably Solomona, is going to have a huge game. I have to have a huge game to um, stop Ibatoya scoring um, scoring tries. Uh, he scored one against Claremont, which was just outrageous, just carrying the ball in one hand. He's such a balanced runner. So what we're going to have to do is get to him quickly because what he's not good at is recycling the ball. He's also question marks defensively. But if he can break the first line of defence, his, his balance in running and stepping off both feet and his speed off the mark is so great that I think you know that's something to watch out for. So, you know, look, it's going to be a massive game for sale. Um, I hope we get a near sellout once again um, because we really, really need to win this. And we're against a Quinn side who have also been inconsistent. But look, you know, they're now away from home. They are the ones that are coming to us for like a festive type game. And uh, surely law of averages means that we're going to win this one. I love that we keep going back to the law of averages, like it's an actual strategy. We've got to win one eventually. Uh, Alex, James has um, obviously picked out some, some key players for, for Harlequins there, but obviously there are some you know intriguing matchups. You know, who do you think is going to be most important for sale? Um, you know, in terms of being able to pull out a, a victory. You know, are you looking for some bounce back performances, or are you actually looking for some other players to step up who might not have had the the impact on games that we would have expected coming into the season? Yeah, I think the, shutting down Marcus Smith is is a massive part of stopping stopping Quinns. Um, there's obviously the Care de Clerk battle, which um, where I have fond memories of the last time Quinns came up and de, and Faf stopped Danny Care um, scoring what was otherwise a certain try, um, a more than certain try probably at that point. So I think that'll be an interesting matchup. Let's we'll see whether Faf can sort of dominate him after getting a little bit sort of roughed up by Bath this weekend. Um, yeah, Mark Smith and Rob Dupree are assuming Rob Dupree starts two completely different players. Um, an interesting interesting matchup and sort of Marcus Smith on the loop going outside Rohan is a worry for me um, just because of his pace and, and, and as James mentioned his offloading ability and then yeah that, that battle in the back row Rob Shaw up against Ross um, quite sort of similar similar Characters, I guess, in the leadership and 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 the, the they do the the hard yards for the team. Um, so that'll be an interesting battle. Um, I think you know, generally, and then there's the front row as well, Marla and Sinclair. 
um, up against Rapaji and Moises and, and um, either Will Richon or Jake Keeper Woolley. Um, last year, we kind of won the game thanks to Kyle Sinkle losing his head. So it's whether um, Moises can wind him up sufficiently or Aka can wind him up or anyone can wind him up such that um, he loses his head again. Um, that tends to be the way with, with Quinns, doesn't it? Someone someone completely loses the plot, gets themselves sent off and, and we end up winning the game. It's happened about three or four years in a row from my memory. Um, so, yeah, I think those, there's there's a lot of matchups, but it's, again, you, I'm looking at a Quinns team here and going, you know, it's there's nothing there that scares me on paper. Um, so I think, if, I think if you shut down Smith and Kerr uh, at nine and ten, I don't think we've got anything to fear from this Quinns team. But that relies on us putting a decent attacking performance in, which um, is, is I suppose, yeah, it, it, same as Bath last week. I'm not worried about the opposition. I'm more worried about our team and whether they can start putting phases together and creating opportunities. I, I guess that's my kind of major concern going into this game. It, it does feel like the onus is, is on us again, a bit like it was against Northampton to produce a, a good attacking performance because I think defensively we've shown that we're, we're a very, very good team. You know, we're, we're well well disciplined we're, you know, for the most part. We're well structured. We don't see a lot of points. You know, we're the third best points difference in the league this year off the back of the strength of our defence. But I think the big thing is going forward, can we can we put together, you know, three tries and, and, and 20 plus points um, in a way that we haven't really been able to do consistently? This year, uh, I think you make some really good points. Uh, well, both both Alex and James, but James in particular, the, the point about Ibatoye, absolute absolute dynamo going forward, but he's a bit of a turnstile defensively. Uh, and I think what we should be doing, and this is something where we really struggle to do, is is pick out and isolate um, players in, in opposition backlines and target them. Because I think what we should be doing, and what we haven't been doing, is getting the ball to players like Solomona and Ashton and having them just run at Ibatoye because he's a very, very good player, um, but his defensive game is really still uh, in the development phase, a bit like Solomona's was you know, a few years ago. And I think there's a really good opportunity there if we just target him. I think the other thing as well is you made a really good point about Rob Dupria um, as being actually quite a good stand-up defender. I think he's done really, really well in handling crash ball runners. This year we saw it uh, against Bath. You know, very good at sort of standing players up in a tackle and having you know a member of the back row or whoever else sort of drive through them. Um, but I think there is a massive challenge with Marcus Smith versus uh, versus Rob Dupria. Um, on Friday, because I don't think Dupree has the foot speed to keep up with him. If, as Alex mentioned, um, they, they were able to get Smith on the on the loop and, and attacking out wide. So, what I'd be really interested to see is whether or not we actually, when we get the ball to someone like Rob Dupree, whether or not we encourage him to run at ten a little bit more. They'll be expecting Van Rensburg to hit the line and, and target Marcus Smith, and then obviously they've got the Siki there, um, you know, um, to, to sort of meet meet that challenge uh, front up. But it'd be interesting to see if we if we don't try and get Rob Dupree attacking the line a little bit more. It's not necessarily his game, um, and he's obviously someone who prefers to play flat, but distribute. But I think this is that's another area where we might actually be able to get an advantage over Harlequins if we try and mix up our attack and rely less on Van Rensburg as our crash ball runner and actually look at getting Solomona and Ashton into the midfield and maybe actually having Rob Dupree take the ball to the line, which makes me wonder as well whether or not we see AJ McGinty get a chance in the uh, in the first team. Uh, once again, given how how well he performed um, in this fixture last season, both as a as a kicker and actually in terms of taking the ball to the line and and attacking uh, attacking the game line, um, obviously 
I've identified a couple of players, you know, from each side in terms of, of you know who's going to be the danger men. Um, James, do you think there are any any possible changes that are going to be made to the Sale team to play Quinns based on what we saw last week at Bath? Yeah, I, well, I mean, there might be some natural rotation in the front row. Harrison, Cooper, Woody might come in. Um, but other than that, I think we're going to pretty much stick with the same guys again and ask them to to go again. I mean, we do have pretty much our first choice team out. It'll be interesting to see if, if Hammersley's fit, whether he comes straight back into the side. I do think he would have been useful at Bath. I think Ashton was reasonably ineffective. I think um, their try, you know, it, Ashton was out of position, really. Um, Priestland did put his foot to ball, don't get me wrong, and it went a bloody long way. But he was caught out of position, mm. which led to a bit of with a bit of football tennis and, and them them scoring. So uh, I think Hammersley probably has come back in if he's fit. Alex, do you think there's anyone else that, that might make a return to the starting lineup or or be part of a rotation? Um, yeah, the back three is the main area of rotation, but I think McGuigan, Solomona, Hammersley is my preferred um, or potentially Ashton for Solomona. But yeah, I agree with James Hammersley to come back in, definitely. No, I think, yeah, as I say, we are... We are doing. I don't think the team is the issue, unless there are certain players. I, you, there's no players you identify and go, "Oh, they're not quite pulling the weight." Everyone seems to be putting in decent individual performances. Um, it's just the attack isn't flowing. So that Rob Dupree AJ battle will linger on. Um, I think sticking with Dupree for now makes sense to me. Um, his kicking is is working well. His defence is really solid, um, but. You know, I, I could see that that being swapped round for a bit of rotation, um, but I, d- I don't feel like anyone's particularly had a massive run of games and therefore needs resting. And I don't feel like it's the time to rest them either. Not at home against Quinns. Um, obviously, we will probably see a little bit of movement in the front row in terms of Harrison, Oisteys, and Cooper Woolley will give John. But it's the same four players playing across the eighty minutes, isn't it? Um, so no, I wouldn't change it. I, th- I do think this team is getting better, and and you know it's a team that did very well against Northampton at home. Um, it's virtually the same team, so I I wouldn't be changing it massively. Um, whether, uh, as I say, Hammersley coming back in, I think is the key. I think he's he's such an important player in the dynamic of our team. And the other thing is, if we can get him coming in as a second receiver and sort of get his attacking side coming out a bit more. Than it has done this season as he settles into the team. That is really valuable for us. Um, so I'd, I'd like to see him come back in if fit. But other than that, I'd, I think as I say, with the playing, the playing personnel are there. It's just getting them to gel together that is the issue. Right. Let's uh, let's do some predictions then. So I'll throw this back to Alex. Um, obviously, Friday Night Lights on BT Sport. You know that curse is is, is over now. I think we all agree. Um, two teams in a mid table slash top four battle, uh, as are a lot of teams at the moment. You know, how do you see uh, Friday Night's encounter shaking out? Yeah, um, just on last week, James won because he was the only one to predict a Bath win, predicting 15-11 to Bath, which is not a bad effort. Um, this week, Quinns never do well um, at the AJ Bell, historically. Um, I think we'll see the loss win, loss win, loss win, yo-yo continue, and I'm going to go for sale 26, Quinns 18. James, congratulations on the win from last week. Uh, how do you see Friday night turning out? Uh, again, I, I think that 
we're, we're going to win. Uh, we're going to take the frustration from from this last weekend and put it on the pitch against Quinns. And I'm going to go for something similar. Sale 24, Quinns 16. Great. And I'm going to go big. I think, you know, we, we, we do a win. There's a lot of frustration from, from last week. This win-loss, win-loss um, pattern seems to keep repeating. And as Alex mentioned before, yes, Harlequins have some very good players and could get a win, but there isn't anything that really scares me um, in, in a way that I think Harlequins could be a little bit put off by a lot of our team and how we're hopefully starting to gel. So I'm going to say sale 32, Harlequins 15. I'm being very optimistic. Am I being too optimistic? No, mate. That's if you can't be optimistic as a sale fan, then you've literally got nothing else. So I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to take that optimism away from you. Not yet, anyway. If if we lose a couple, then we can reassess. That's it. Being a sale fan, mate. Being a sale fan, it's always like that. We just front end the podcast with just loads of negativity, loads of disappointment. Just you know what? Can't can't believe we're sale fans. So difficult. And then by the end, it's like. Oh, but we're still going to be okay next week. Uh, and that's what makes you a self Um So, yeah, fingers crossed that you're right and we, we pull something out of the bag. Absolutely. And that, I think, is a, is a perfect summary as well of how our podcast has gone on in 2019. Uh, and that actually, obviously, you know, does bring an end to the podcast in 2019. Uh, we want to say a massive thank you to everyone who's stuck with us um, for uh, another another year. Thank you to everyone who's, who's joined, um, you know, uh, our, our sort of listenership and, and following us on Twitter this year. You know, we've seen, you know, a really good growth in terms of how many people are engaging with us, how many new faces are engaging with us as well, uh, both on Twitter and, and in relation to the podcast. You know, we are seeing our listen numbers go up as well, you know, and, and we appreciate the fact that there's there's obviously a lot of word of mouth and um, a lot of uh, a lot of community building that's, that's gone on this year that's helping sort of, um, you know, create a real, real sort of community um, around, uh, around the, the the Shark Town podcast and and uh, Sell Shark fans in, in general. So we want to say a massive thank you um, to, to everyone. And obviously, you know, here's to here's to another great year. And we'll start off 2020 with a little bit of a bang with with looking at some you know all decades stuff now that uh, now that decades coming to an end at the end of this week. So yeah, massive thank you for me for everyone um, for for another great year with the podcast. We appreciate the support and uh, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to seeing you in in 2020. Uh, Alex James, anything from you to to, to wrap up the decade? No, just hope everyone's had a great Christmas and looking forward to um, sales first win of 2020 on Friday night and then many more wins to follow. Yeah, and if Exeter can start the decade in the championship and be fin- and you know finishing the decade with titles under their belt, then you know it's a land of opportunity going into the Roaring Twenties. Mm-hmm.